when you first get those results and they're not the results you want, yeah. the last thing that you want to do is to be sitting with the judge and being like, tell me all the things you didn't, yeah, you didn't so like, like or yeah, like, I mean. and, and so I think that face-to-face -face time where you really are like, like, uh, where was I strong? Because hmm. I think that's also part of the score sheets is like, let's celebrate what makes you, you, and what makes sure. you the, the person that want, they want to score on. Welcome to, or welcome back, to Coffee with April. My name is Patrick Rolfe, and this is a conversation with some amazing professionals and entrepreneurs in the coffee industry sharing their perspective and experience. It's about integrity, quality, and the future. For this episode, we met up with Ben Put during the Shanghai Coffee Festival. And Ben Put is one of those people I've always wanted on the podcast. He's arguably one of the best Barista Cup competitors of all time, and also founder of Monogram Coffee Roasters in Canada. It was an absolute pleasure to sit down with him and pick his brain on competition and coffee roasting. Enjoy. Hi guys, we're in uh, Shanghai. We're back at On Air, uh, our long-term kind of partner here in China. And with me, I have Ben. Hi. Which is super exciting. We I, I talked about uh, to my colleagues about this as well, and it's probably the first time I do this, and I'm actually a bit nervous. <laughs> which me you, too. Usually, no, you're not nervous. But usually, I, I, I would never be. But I mean, this is like. In the land of, of competing, which I'm at least trying to be a part of, you're like the. Oh, thanks. It doesn't get much higher, right? To be fair, thanks right? so I much. mean, you deserve the a very very high spot there, right? And it's super cool to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about competitions. We're going to talk a lot about coffee, in general, basically whatever you want to talk about, um, which is super cool. And I think we're going to start from. I mean, you've been um, you've been taking a break a bit from competing, right? Mm -hmm. You competed very intensely, did extremely well. And now you've been off for basically two years. What have you been up to? Yeah, so I competed for eight years in a row. So, so people only see me at the at the WBC. Sure. But um, and I think this is an important thing to talk about is prior to that. So the first year I competed, um, I won my region. I went to nationals, and I was like, I'm going to do really well. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I didn't even make finals. Okay. Um, and then and then I went back. Uh, immediately and like started working again and I won the regional again and then I went to uh, I made finals and like was very excited and then I got second and then I competed again yeah uh, and got second again and I it was with like a, a co-worker of mine and then I moved uh, I was living in a different city moved back to Calgary competed again with uh, my business partner Jeremy we were just colleagues at the time and then he beat me mm -hmm. so I got second actually three years in a row in Canada before finally winning a nationals so it's been like a very what's the long what's journey. the drive there I mean you you're obviously probably still are but back then you were determined to win that competition mm -hmm. right or are you just competing for fun or is it that like I'm gonna win that's why I'm gonna push this I would say it's a, a couple things I think that you you have to be a bit competitive to compete. I think you need something to sort of wake you up in the morning for it. Um, but a big thing for me is in the past few years in competing, like different ideas have emerged. Um, and I actually think, I think there's a lot of criticism of barista competition sometimes. 
but I think ultimately um, there are many ideas where the only stage where you can properly share them is yeah. a competition. Whether it's brewers or barista, you have 15 or 10 minutes where you have everyone listening to you and you can talk about anything you yeah. want. And so like when I, th I think of some of the things I've done in barista competitions or I see people doing and there's no way that idea could get out into the larger public space without barista competitions. There's just no way. Especially yeah. like I'm from Canada. If I did, had a new idea and I did it in our shop, Canada would know. And that's like, I don't know, not many, not many people. And so to me, that's a big driver. If like I have an idea or something I want to talk about, I think the maybe one day that won't be the ultimate platform for new ideas, but I think currently it still is. Yeah. And going from the, these kind of initial years where, where you go second, 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 and, and then you finally win, I mean, what, what made you actually win that competition finally, right? Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think there was a, a couple things. I think just like really taking judges' feedback. I think this is like, this was a hard one for me. I actually think it held me down for a while is uh, when you first get those results and they're not the results you want, yep. the last thing that you want to do is to be sitting with a judge and being like, tell me all the things you didn't, yeah, you didn't really like, like or yeah, like, I mean, and, and so I think that face-to-face -face time where you really are like, like uh, where was I strong? Because hmm. I think that's also part of the score sheets is like, let's celebrate w what makes you, you, and yeah, what sure. makes you the, the person that want, they want to score well, because yeah. that's part of it. And then also like, what parts do you need to work on? So I think it was working on that. And I think it was also just um, growth in the industry. I hmm. think that like, there, one of the neat things about coffee is I think you're always growing. Like no one's ever fully formed. And so I think the years of competition have made me better at coffee. Mm. So I think it's been these little incremental growths. Yeah. And how was, I mean, if we rewind back to the very, very, very beginning, how did you end up in coffee in the first place? Yeah. Um, very randomly and, and un almost unintentionally. So I was, I was studying music at the time. Okay. Uh, I was dating a girl in a different city. One of us had to move. It was me. I had worked in a coffee shop that was, wasn't very good, but I had taught myself latte art. Uh -huh. And then, um, so I worked in coffee, and I, it was one of these things where I just sort of stayed in it and, and started to feel like I was getting better and better. And then I didn't have this, lots of people have like a moment where they're like, this one coffee transformed me and I left my life behind. But it was almost sort of like one day I woke up and I was like working full time in coffee, training people, and, and then but then in retrospect, looking back on it, I think coming back to that, like no one's ever fully formed in coffee, I think it's, I'm excited to have a job where I'll never feel like I got it. Yeah. Like, I think there are some jobs out there where you can get to a point where you're like, I know exactly what I need to do, and this is gonna be my life for the rest of my life. And yeah, I think sure. coffee is always like, there's always different things you can pursue and, and different ways to sort of weave your, your life around coffee. Yeah, for sure, I mean, now you're, it's competing, it's grocery, it's everything, right? And, yeah, and, absolutely. And as you say, it's really, coffee is complicated. I think people, I mean, especially in the competition world, but in, in general, like just on a daily basis, making tasty coffee continuously is not easy, right? Yeah. And that's really exciting, I think. That's a really totally. interesting part of it, right? Yeah. Um, okay, but then you're, you're competing, you're winning for the first time, which must be a pretty great feeling. Oh, it was crazy. But it, it was really weird, though, too, because like, I had been there like three times in a row, and yeah. then and I was so used to like the other feeling of losing. You just assumed. So like it didn't. Yeah, it that. felt horrible until the last moment. It's similar to like like finals announcements too, where like 
like it gets closer and closer, and then you're just like not quite that there. Sucks. But the, this, it, but it really, the, yeah, the first time you win a national, I think, is very special. It is. It is for sure. I mean, and what happens? Because I'm really, I've seen so many competitors uh, that they go and they win their nationals, and they just stop. Nothing works. I mean, yeah. some, we're two, two kinds of competitors here where some people get super excited and they just go for it. Maybe a bit too early and they go to the Worlds and, and it's a bit disoriented and don't really know what to do. And then you have the kind of competitor that just kind of, I won the Nationals, it's really cool. Everyone in my country thinks I'm really good. Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of, they don't remember that, oh shit, I'm going up against some really good people here. Yeah. Maybe I need to be better. Mm -hmm. right? So what was that process? I mean, did that, like the first process and also later on, what do you do from a national to the world yeah. championship? I think every country, it's a bit like currency in my mind, where every country has a conversion factor to worlds. Yeah. So like a country like Australia, the currency, the conversion factor is one almost, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like if you have a, a really good set at, like the level in Australia is so high, if you have a really good set, um, you can go to worlds with a similar set. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that you need to tell yourself, and I think this was something for me as well, is that in the early years of Canadian competitions, the current the conversion rate was not the same. Yeah. And so you feel like you have a really good routine and you might keep it, but you really have to dig in and say like, is my coffee really outstanding? Um, and also is my idea really easy to understand? I think mm -hmm. that's a huge one, is that, especially like as um, any any competitor from an English speaking country, they're, they have, they're taking complicated ideas and using complicated words to present it. Yeah. And then they go to an international competition where like, it's amazing like that all these, so many judges from all these different countries understand English, but they expect them to just get it right away. So they're talking super fast. Mm. They're using really complicated ideas. So I think that's another part of it is, is also converting it in terms of like the intellectual ideas. Yeah. Um, like this idea of, can you take something really complicated and can you make it simple in 15 minutes while you're making coffee yeah, sure. and while they're drinking coffee. And I think that's a huge part of it too, that if you really, if your style of competition is, I have something important to say, mm. you really have to make sure that people can understand it. Because yeah. I see this a lot where someone's like, you know, I presented and, and the judges just didn't get my, my idea. They, they didn't know what I was talking as about. Like, as the judges faulted. Yeah, that's not on them. No. Like, like if you can't, if you can't make it make sense, like, that's not on them. That's that's on you. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it. But also like really understanding like how does my country stack up against worlds? Yeah. So like now I would say um, Canada, the, our, con our conversion right? factor is much better. Oh, yeah. Time. yeah. Especially barista, right? Yeah. Barista is. is Bru very how did Brewers go this year? Uh, I can't remember what place out, David David did. His coffee was very delicious, though. Yeah. Well, I think Brewers, we've we've had sort of ups and downs. Canada yeah. hasn't always had every competition. Yeah. We just started uh, last year and this year are the first years that we are competing in everything. So I'm oh, exciting wow. to see, okay. I'm excited to see. When, except roasting, we don't have roasting. Yeah. Yet. But Would you ever venture out to like Coffee and Good Spirits and stuff like that? They interest me. Coffee and Good Spirits interest me because it seems like such a free for all in terms, not not in a bad way, but in that like you can really try almost yeah. anything. And like I also think that um, the thing that interests me most in Coffee and Good Spirits is um, coffee. There's like a set of flavors that we think taste good. Yeah. But then, and but then we enjoy drinks outside of that that yeah. that don't fit that at all. Like if you if you tasted notes in like a puer tea and a coffee, you would like 
you would immediately you would discard it as defective. Yeah, sure. And so to me, the interesting thing about coffee and good spirits is that you could you could make something with like a peaty whiskey or something mm. like that that tastes like a smoke bomb. Yeah. Um, and, and it might actually do okay. So I think it would be interesting to, to play with flavor there. But I'm definitely not a good bartender, so like <laughs> I have to... I have to worry about like I'd just have like a blender for all my drinks. <laughs> Should we back to a classic signature beverage? Let's just blend some. Yeah, who wants some? Who wants some blended margaritas? Yeah, sure. Um, but where are we? I mean, so uh, let's say we're in the world for the first time, um, and I mean, how how difficult was that for you? To compete in the world for the yeah. first time. To how me, how big big of, big of a difference was that? Mm -hmm. from, because you competed for a long time before yeah. that, right? Even yeah. if it was on a national level, but it's still. I felt pretty clearly this year that, I mean, going on a world stage, it, it's, I mean, it's different. It's very different. I mean, also competing in Sweden, which is a tiny-ass little country. But, but Canada is I mean, Canada's not, not much bigger. I, um, I think w one of the big ones was seeing just how much higher the level of, of coffee is. Yeah. I think that, for me personally, the first year I competed, I had no illusions that I wasn't, like, like I didn't think I was going to win Worlds. Mm. Um, and so I think... And why, actually, why not? Or was that not a... I don't know. I think I wanted to win, but I think, I think going in, um, my goal was more just to make semis. Um, and I think that should be... I think this is also something that I've seen change, that in the past, I think everyone's goal was finals, where it's like, mm. if you didn't make finals, you, you're not, you didn't perform the way you wanted. But I, I hope that the the view can shift because I think Barista is so hard now that I think that semis is an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, and I actually sure. think Brewers Cup, I know it would make the Brewers, schedule busy. Brewers, Brewers need, need semis. Semi. Brewers need semis. We all know that, right? Any WC mean, reps are yeah, watching. I think that's the one point we all have been discussing since yeah. Boston. Right? But it's getting too big and it's, it's time to get a semi. Yeah. yeah. But I think I actually appreciated the fact that I, I the first year I competed, I, winning wasn't my goal because it kind of made mm -hmm. it a more healthy experience um, and it was easier to sort of deal with everything like I so the first year I went to worlds I made semis but I, I didn't make finals I got yeah. 11th in the world um, and so I actually sort of enjoyed that and I don't know if you can intentionally go in knowing that you might not win but I actually am appreciative that I that wasn't my goal that year yeah. and then you move how is it it's world again the next year for you again yeah and the, I, worlds again that was the year Sasa won and yeah. I got third yeah and I sort of I, I, that was a fun year because I think um, Canada hadn't really been on the, the map in a while, yeah. and so it was neat to sort of to be up there, and it was very exciting. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was that was a fun one. How do you, if we if we fast forward a bit? How do you make the decision? Because I think a lot about that myself. Because competing for me is it's also a, a short term process, where it's like you have this year and you're competing, and it's a long term process. How long do I want to do this, and how much kind of stamina and energy and, and focus do I have? I mean, you know, we're running companies as well. Yeah. It's difficult to, to do both. Um, where did the decision not to, or take a break, come mm -hmm. from? Um, it, was a, um, it was multifaceted. So mm. uh, one was just um, comp takes a lot of time away from family. Yeah. And so, um, although coaching is still taking a lot of time away, but we didn't see that one coming. Um, so it was nice to have some time off where I could actually just focus on other parts of my life. Because yeah. I, I think if competition consumes you, I, I, don't, I think anything consuming you is probably not a, not a good idea. No. Um, I think that um, 
if you compete many, many years in a country, I think that the, I think an important part of, of competing is that you are an ambassador for your country. And so I think if you compete too much, it can, it, I think you lose some diversity in terms of representation of your country. Um, sure. And so I think that I was coming up to a point where I think people are, have always been very, in Canada, people have always been really supportive of me. But I do think that it was, I was coming up sort of to my time to, to take a step back for a little bit. Um, and then the advantage out of it that I didn't really see coming is enjoying coaching so much. Yeah. So the way I got into coaching, I was like working um, an early shift at the cafe. It was like seven in the morning or something. And I get a, a Facebook message from this random Swiss guy that I had met once in Seattle saying like, hey, I just uh, won my national, would you like to coach me? And, uh, and my, my thing has always been that if, if someone asks me for help, I'll, I'll like try and help them. And so I said like, I'll just have to ask my wife. Uh, she said yes, and then like, and then and that's sort of like been my foray to, down to coaching, and it's been really like amazing and super interesting. And and that guy was was Matthew who got third. He's done fairly okay. Yeah, since yeah. That, he I got third in Amsterdam and uh, sixth in Boston, so he did quite well. That's pretty amazing, I would say. So then, I mean, and, and I mean, the question you guys want to know, I want to know. I already asked him. Let's ask him again. I mean, are you coming back to competing? Yeah. So the. The people that compete a lot, I think it's always sort of in them. Mm. Um, a thing for me that drives me in competition is this idea of having something that drives you beyond just being competitive. And so the past two years off, getting to see so many great competitors um, and ideas, there's definitely some ideas uh, bouncing around. So it is on my horizon to, yeah. to take another swing. The interesting thing is like, you can, I think another thing for lots of competitors is is realizing that you could compete again and, and never make worlds again. Uh, yeah. And I think it's both like, it definitely keeps you on top of things, but it's something that I think, I think often in competition, there's this thing where we all set our sights on worlds so much mm. that it's like, what do I want to present at worlds? And, yeah. and, and I think making sure that you've really lined up, like what are the steps that are going to get you to worlds and like focusing on that, that one task. So like, if I did compete this year, regionals is what I need to do, and the nationals is what I need to do. And also, like, keeping that as a goal rather than just, like, I, I talk to lots of competitors where they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this at WBC, and, then, and I'm like, yeah, oh, so win, you won your nationals? And they're like, no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, focus on what's in front of you, right? It's, yeah. it's true also when you're, let's say, you come to the World Championship. I mean, you, you, you need to really take it day by day, right? Yeah. You can't really be in the, you can't be in the final. I mean, I'm a big believer personally that you, if you compete, why not try to win? Yeah, right? yeah. for sure. But it's totally. still maybe you win by focusing on what's in front of you, right? Yeah. And not what lies ahead. And I mean, competing can't be. I mean, we all want to win. That's not really. I mean, of course we do, of right? Course, but yeah. it can't be. It's also kind of cool and fun, and you learn a lot from not winning as well, right? Yeah. I still, I still argue, and I do this every year. The best space in coffee is backstage in a world competition. Absolutely. That's where you learn the most. That's where the you know best professionals are more yeah. than often uh, that's you know enough inspiration to carry over the oh, <laughs> for yeah, the remaining for part sure. of the year and I think yeah. that becomes really interesting right yeah but um, I mean you do more than competing as well right we're talking roastery I mean we're in Shanghai now to brew coffee at the Shanghai Coffee Festival yeah we're, we're booth, almost booth neighbors which is also <laughs> really cool I think. Uh, but I mean how, how do you balance all of this yeah um, how do you make that work so something that's 
uh, I'm super thankful for is Monogram is is a team of three owners actually. Okay. So it's um, myself, uh, Jeremy, and Justin, and we all met through coffee, and decided that we had uh, common vision and common goals and common values, and so started Monogram together. So I do think that um, a big part of what I can why I can do what I can do is that we have a. T- uh, that team of three that can balance things yeah. when I'm gone and, and carry things. And so I think that's been huge for my ability to compete. And even just the ability to, to build a, a small business where like I know the, the things that I'm good at and that interest me. So like, because I, I think that's part of it too, like what do you want to do are different than the things that like Justin's good at and interest him and the things that Jeremy's good at and interest him. So I think we've built a more complete like sort of business by having our three skill sets yep. all together. Um, so I, I think that's been huge in my ability to compete. Like I don't know how, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I mean, I guess you're just better than, you have the skills of three, three much smaller men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, April being a tiny company, I think a lot of people is, I mean, competing is one thing, but um, I mean, competing, running a company at the same time is, it is a bit of a challenge, right? Yeah, it's, it is, but I think, I mean, I think it makes, both parts better, right? And yeah. for me, competing is so much about what do we do every day, right? I mean, the, the Brewers Championship, for example, that was an interpretation of what we do and how we brew yeah. coffee, how we work with coffee, right? Uh, we made a brewer and all of this, but we mainly made a brewer because I want to brew April coffee on my own brewer because it doesn't make sense for me to try to adapt my own coffee to someone else's brewer, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was a very natural process, but it's still very, very kind of difficult. But I'm always, I'm personally always very interested in why in the world start a company? Because starting a company yeah. takes a yep. lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, it's a lot of focus, takes you at least for some time away from coffee. Yep. Maybe not when you're three, but at least for me, I was really, I realized that I've had a few years where, uh, I mean, I didn't compete my first year, for example, because I was too busy, I couldn't deal yep. with it, right? So why would, would anyone put yourself through that kind of stress that comes you, with that? You've touched on something very true. So actually, out of the three owners, I actually didn't want to start a business for mm-hmm. that exact reason where it's like starting a, a, a business actually has, has nothing to do with coffee. Like you could start a business in anything and never really work with whatever product you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so coffee to me has always been my main interest. And so there were two things I didn't want to do, like the business side of things had no interest for me and I actually didn't want to, I'll, I'll come full circle, this sounds bad, but I didn't really want to manage people because um, sure. coffee was uh, more of an interest for me. Um, but um, the idea of, of knowing that I could work in coffee for the rest of my life, I think this is a huge um, international problem, is that there's still not a great way for someone to stay in coffee for a really long time um, unless they own a business or they've received one of those spots at the top of a pyramid of jobs mm-hmm. where they're like a green buyer or a trainer or a roaster. And so starting a business for me sort of guaranteed that I could stay in coffee. Um, but then after that, the, the things that I feared and dreaded actually became some of my, my favorite things. Mm-hmm. I think um, we're still working on it, but I think Monogram has created these little communities and neighborhoods of, of uh, customers and employees. And I, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done for employees. I think we're still trying to do more there. Mm. But the, the people side of things, both with like, um, like partners and uh, customers and employees has actually be, 
is one of the things I'm most sort of proud of and, yeah. and is, is one of my favorite things. So the irony is the thing that like scared me about opening a business is one of my, my favorite things now. No, okay, that's really interesting. I mean, that changes as well, right? And you learn, I think, competing as with running a business teaches you a lot about yourself, right? Yeah. There's a lot of really lessons to learn. Um, we had a short break here and we talked a little about why we couldn't find these guys in Europe, or at least as much as we want to. And then you say, uh, we don't focus so much on wholesale. And I think that's super interesting. So we, we haven't. So the, we are starting to now, but when we first started um, roasting, we were fairly passive in terms of um, who used us. And I actually think it may be as in as in that was a, a selective process. Whereas we want our coffee to be featured in a certain it, way. It was sort or? of like the way it worked is if you approached us, we'd we'd help you out. So it wasn't like yeah, okay. we won't serve to you because you're not going to do a good job with the coffee. Like a big no. thing for us um, is we are offering training to anyone that is like if you use just us on your bar. So like we can't train someone that buys like one pound a week from us or something yeah. like that. But if you're using just us on our bar, we'll train you no matter what. Yeah. So it, it wasn't about like which bars are better and which are worse. The big thing for us is um, that when we first started, the people that knew Monogram and understood our, our values and shared them came to us. Yeah. So it was like if we had a roastery, it, like, this obviously works within your country. You can't assume it's going to work internationally. Sure. But the people that sort of, um, and I even, I even see that with something like April, where I think a lot of your customers, at least in my perception, know what you're about, mm -hmm. they know the coffee you're producing and, th and they want to buy in. Yeah. And so the initial like two years of Monogram were sort of just done that way where if someone liked their coffee, liked who we were as a business, they'd buy it. And it actually worked really well because basically there's no, there's no sell, right? It's just like, oh, you like the coffee, we'd, we'd love to sell it to you. And so I think the viability of a business eventually requires some active sales, so we're moving in that direction. Um, it may be slowed our growth a little bit not to have someone like pounding the pavement, giving out samples. But I, when I think of the group of cafes and, and custom, like home baristas and stuff like that that drink our coffee, it's this neat little community because they sort of, they bought into Monogram even before they purchased coffee, which yeah, I think sure. is a, a neat sort of customer base to yeah. start with. Yeah. How, how big are you guys? I mean, what, kind of, what are we talking here? Uh, Roughly. What are we roasting a week, Jeremy? We gotta have an unseen voice in there. Don't, yes. <laughs> you don't have to like specify exact numbers here, but I mean, I were talking, I just have no clue. I can't remember what it is in kilos, but we're like... I mean, how, how big of a roast machine do you guys have? We roast on a 35. Okay, but, but the, which model? Oh, this is actually interesting. We have a Lorraine as well. So this is, an, this is an interesting thing actually to talk about, is that the, the roastery is actually... Yeah, Lorraine's great, yeah. They are, <laughs> basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually roast in a, um, uh, like a collaborative roast space. So when we, we started the roastery with another company, yeah. so we roast there, the other company roasts there, and then um, other people will bring their coffee to roast. So actually, and we help oversee some of the roasting. So I think there's currently six companies that roast out of there. That's amazing. Uh, it's really fun. So some, yeah. some of it is like they give us green coffee, we design the profiles. Mm. Um, actually, the Canadian Brewers Cup champion from last year, he just started his business. And so he actually uh, is roasting out of there as well. So, so cool. it's this neat little, little hub of people. So yeah. we have a 35, but we, we basically roast two days a week. And yeah. then the rest of the roastery is. That's um, amazing. I mean, that's always, I mean, that's what we do as well. 
basically, right? We don't have a 35, but we roast in a, in a similar setup. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's a very smart way to start a business. It, it's, for, for many reasons. It's a, uh, a good way to get a loan because it basically it lets you pool, pool resources. Because I know, like, I look at our roastery now, and given the resources we had when we first started, there's no way we could have had what we had. It would have been like a closet. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, one bag of spot coffee. Definitely, no. And that initial phase is so important because that's where you set the, you set the pace and you set the framework for the whole company, right? Yeah. So if you have something extremely expensive, you need to start paying off or or whatever financial stress you're in, you're gonna end up doing some questionable coffee because totally. you need to pay rent, which is fine, and I respect that. <laughs> but it's uh, it makes it complicated, right? So yeah, I think this absolutely. is a really smart way to do it. Yeah. Um, so I mean. We're gonna wrap this up a bit because we have a coffee shop to open, uh, or Leo has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, um, we need to just quickly because we started this. Uh, I'm gonna do a bit of promotion here, um, like athlete program or mm-hmm. competitive program, right? And I think that one of the things that I got really, I'm frustrated about now, but not before. But when I started to compete, I spent so much time doing stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, there too. Where I got no results, I got very frustrated. I was almost close to like leaving coffee because I thought it was so shit. Yeah. At least leaving competitions for good. Um, so, what would you recommend? I mean, you have more experience than most. Like, what's the what's the you're competing for the first time? What should you think about? What is like? What are the basics? Yeah, I think, I think a big thing and something I'm hoping to see change, and I actually um, think. What you're doing is is huge for the industry. Is that in the past, knowledge of competitions has followed has followed money, and I and I think I think that's just sort of natural in any industry. Is that in the past, often the way to learn about comp was like you had to hire a very expensive coach. Um, and I've done coaching for money. I've also done coaching for for free. Um, but I think something for a first-time competitor is is find the people that are sharing information like you, um, and really like dive into it. Um, and then also don't be afraid to try and reach out to someone. Mm-hmm. I think I should have done this more in the past. Where like, if you email a barista and, and ask them like one question, they'll probably answer it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, like I don't know, you just wasted thirty words. But it, it doesn't really yeah, matter. I mean the- you're the best example, right? Matthew just sent you a totally. text over Facebook and then he has two world finals yeah. after that, right? So yeah. That's a great, great example of what can happen if you actually just ask, ask uh, a No, I think people don't try it enough where it's just like, you should just ask someone. Um, it could be something really simple and I, I think the community is really nice. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that it's anything um, sinister that, that the like lots of people that do well have the money to to buy really expensive coffee and to hire expensive coaches but i don't it's not that those expensive coaches are like don't talk to me unless you you've got money in your hands like like a, a good example is is pete Licata's coached many many people yeah but if i i've gone up to him many times and asked him the question and he always he always answers it and he it's always honest and like and so i think we're often afraid to just to ask yeah i have the same experience where the the people Let's put it like this, the people you want to hear from that are very good at what they do, they always share. Yeah. The people that don't share are usually people you don't really want to hear from anyway. <laughs> kind of true, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think so. The people that are really good, they actually, they're very confident in it and they yeah. like to also kind of spread that, um, which is super cool. Uh, last question, uh, the future. I'm always interested in the future. Like what's the, 
What's the game plan? What's up next? I mean, apart from you know competing yeah. and all of this, right? But what's the? You have a roastery. Yep. You're one of the best roasters in the world, arguably, repeatedly. What's the? What has the future in hold? Um, we there's a lot of things that Monogram has on the go. We're looking at a, a couple potential um, spots in the future, um, trying to like um, do more wholesale internationally. I think to I think we really love to share coffee and. Festivals like this always like fire all three of us up quite a bit because it's neat getting to meet the community. And I think Canada is so isolated that I think doing more stuff like that is a neat way to sort of feel like you're part of the, the global yeah, the coffee gap. community. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think um, I've enjoyed coaching so much that even if I compete this year, there's still some people I think I'll be coaching. We'll I'm try and do double, gonna, gonna double duty. From me have you seen, um, have you watched Mrs. Doubtfire? No. The, it's this Robin Williams movie where like he's he's dressed as a uh, he's pretending to be a oh, woman. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. No, no. This, I'm gonna come full circle on this. Don't worry. This will take the rest it. of the time. But he's dressed as a woman. He's in two meetings and he has to like change outfits to go to the next meeting. And and I feel when I when I coach and compete, I feel like it would be a bit of a, a Mrs. Doubtfire. Go watch the movie. I heard you. you can find it on Netflix. You probably. will understand everything. Yeah. You know, this watching. whole this whole video makes sense if you watch Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Um, that's so funny. So, but mostly, I, like, I get that though. I mean, you, that's also. I mean, diversifying it, it makes you better. Right? Totally, it really yeah. does. If yeah. you can coach on a world level and compete on a world level and, and have a world level roastery at the same time, I mean, it's just going to sum up to something yeah. really good, right? And the other interesting thing that I've been trying to do the past couple of years, but may, haven't fully hit it, is I think it would be very interesting if you had a few people that were either coaching or competing or had companies with competitors. I think maybe April athletes can do this as well where at a competition you had a hub of people, just like a hive of like, you uh -huh. taste this, what do you taste? Because like suddenly you have all these global palates tasting something, yeah. global ideas on something. So like my goal with coaching sometimes is can I get everyone I'm helping in the same room yeah. to, to help each other? Because I also think that would be an interesting way to coach eventually where it's less about what I think and what I want people to do, but it's like, can I connect this guy to this girl and then they're gonna and they're gonna work together and th they're gonna sharpen each other's skills and it's more just like and i think that's similar to what it seems like april's doing where it's more just like can you build a team that can go crush it uh i think would be really yeah, i mean you need to I'm, I'm the team is better than the individual yeah always right and part of what we're doing with uh with athletes is also i mean we're helping them but they help each other right yeah and they help us I mean, the amount of, of knowledge I get and what I learn from them is, is pretty amazing as well, right? So it is this kind of, we're trying to get full circle in the sense that we, we, we get kind of an organic growth of just mm -hmm. competition knowledge, right? Where, where hopefully everyone will be, you know, venture into winning everything. <laughs> Most likely not, right? But it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing. I'm going to ask you one more question. I always do this. I always say we're done and then I have all of these more questions. Some people are gonna give me shit for this, but I'm gonna still say, why isn't there more innovation in Barista Cup? And I'm not talking, I mean, we know the competition structure and mm -hmm. format is yep. a bit outdated. It needs to be, you know, someone needs to do something. Changing the milk beverages is not enough. Yeah. But still, if I look at, at brewers in Boston and barista in Boston, and I ask myself, where is the innovation? Yeah. That's in brewers. Yeah. I'm gonna argue that, right? Yeah. I, I didn't see anything new in Barista that got me crazy excited, even if they're all amazing, coffee's delicious, right? But uh, outside of that. Yeah, I think, so the, out of the three years I competed, 
I would say that I did new, new things in two of those years. So I mean, you're sifting in Korea. Oh yeah, so I sifted in Korea. What are you doing? That's amazing. I, that I sifted in Korea. I um, uh, did like the, the freeze distillation in Korea as well. And then yeah. the first year I competed, when I competed in Seattle, I uh, removed. Were you the first one to bring that on stage almost? Yeah, like the I, I, I created yeah. it. Um, and, share, and this That's is where it cool. comes to sharing though. So like, yeah. I could have kept that as a I mean, that fundamentally changed the milk beverage category yeah. like forever. If you don't do that, these, if you don't know what that is, this must be a video on YouTube I, this summer. Um, no, there's like, um, I did a walkthrough on Instagram. If you Haven't you done a YouTube video? I haven't done anything. I, so I, I shared the idea and then people ran with it. Which do a YouTube awesome. video. I know, I need to. Right? I mean, but I, if you don't know what that is, check it out. It's right yeah, freeze distillation. Um, but the reason I'm, I'm saying all these things is that those ideas were the top of a pile of dead ideas. So I think that's the hard part for, for innovation in barista, is you have to, I've made so much disgusting stuff in comp to get to that like one good idea. And I think that's the, I think barista, that's what's really hard is, is going through all that sort of terrible stuff. And I, yeah. I, think, it's, I think it's really hard. I think many new things, like there's new things in processing, and I think that innovation in barista is still out there. I actually don't even blame the format. You get, like, it's fairly wide I don't open. Know, there's it's, something wrong with the format. I yeah. Mean, I'm, um, I'm fine with it. So I, I think that it will still come along. The problem is that it, in order to do, this is the other interesting thing, with the exception of, like, the milk, which now everyone does, there's not an advantage. Yeah, sure. with a, there's not an advantage of it. That's a new thing you, the first year, yeah. You yeah. actually have to do innovation simply for the love of it in Barista, because yeah. I actually don't know... His, I think I've done... I think I've finaled due to some of those innovations, but I don't know if... If it's a harder concept for the judge to immediately grasp, mm. I don't know if you necessarily will, will win because of that, because you're... You're trying to fit a routine into like a, into a box that might not perfectly fit it. Yeah. And so, I think you truly have to do it for the love of it. So maybe the the one way maybe the competition format could change is if innovation was rewarded more because there's no, it's not on the. We we, we talked about that with the with the the brewers as well, right? Where making your own brewer is a nice thing, and I believe that can make the coffee taste better. But yeah. no one cares. Totally. There's no there's no judge that will give you a higher score because you made your own brewer. They will say it's nice that you made your own brewer, but we can't really fit it in the score sheet, right? Yeah. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, I think we're gonna wrap up because we can talk for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. This has been really nice. And thanks. Thanks, thanks very so much for having being me. a part of it. Yeah. And, big honor. Thank you guys as well. Yeah. From us here at April. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you.